You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello everybody, welcome to the Aston Villa News Facebook page. We're currently live on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, also potentially welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast to see if this has made a podcast episode. <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, basically we're going to sit through and do a Q&A with supporters. Um, anything Villa related, anything, I mean anything other than Villa to be honest, the way it's going at the moment, ask us anything. Uh, for those watching on Facebook Live, you are the heartbeat of this podcast, so send in your comments and questions. I'm Dan Ronson, joined by Pat Rowe this afternoon. Before we get any questions come through, let's quickly go over Spurs. I don't think it's time to melt down personally. I was really impressed with that first half performance. I thought the system worked really well. I thought we, we penned them in, didn't we? I know we conceded mm. another sloppy early goal, which was just field full of mistakes, and you know. But um, I thought, yeah, we penned them in. They couldn't play out from the back, could they? And they kept trying to do that. I think that's probably the change they made at half time. They just started lobbing it up top, didn't they? The, the uh, flick ons to uh, Son and whatnot. But yeah, I thought the four three one two worked well. It just wasn't our day in front of goal, was it? I think if Danny Ings has maybe played played a few games before that, Matt Shaw, he's been in and yeah. out of the squad all season. He's probably burying those the overhead kick one and that one at the back post where he just dragged it. I thought those were just guaranteed for a confident Danny Ings. He's just not confident in the minute, is he? Um, what are the ones? McGinn from outside the area, Cash from outside the area, Ramsey's Watkins one. Watkins had a header as well, didn't they? Yeah, Watkins header. I thought he was under that, to be sure. I thought that was harder than a few people made out. But uh, the Ramsey one stands out for me where he's just, it was like the Norwich goal, wasn't it? Just a bit more congested. I thought he was going to bury that with his left foot again. But no. Hugo Lloris, seven saves, the most he's ever made in a first half. Of course, that happens against Villa. I think he made eight on the the evening and um, that probably shows the difference in the two halves of the performance, wasn't it? Seven seven saves made in the first and only one in the second because we just fell to bits after that second goal, didn't we? Just got punished by a bit of world-class finishing, but it's not uh, not time to panic for me. I probably would go with the same system against Leicester as well and just back the strikers to eventually score, to be honest, because we do have the quality. It's just, it just wasn't our day. Yeah, it's easy to, or easier to kind of laugh and smile about things like Luis making a saving record against us. Typical Villa, isn't it? To have something like that. Um, I'm not any more, you know, I'm not happy with the fact we've lost 4 0. Uh, the comment here from Yvonne. Um, first half performance was great after the first goal in the third minute their goalie made some cracking saves yeah it's exactly what we've just been saying um, there was a couple of questions by the way and we'll kind of see them through, throughout um, Sean says Spurs keeper kept the minute if it wasn't for him it could have been game over for Spurs were half time yeah exactly there was a lot of talk after the game about um, kind of Gerrard's tactics and not being able to set things up right and, and all this kind of stuff but it's a goal in the third minute or whatever it is and after that we've absolutely peppered um, Spurs like the first half if we're three one up at half time, no one's no one's talking about Joe's tactics. The setup did work. We played very well. That's probably I think I think I put for the, the description the podcast after the game that I did with Matt. You can go and watch that if you want to hear more of our thoughts. That's probably the first the best first half performance of the season. Oh, definitely, yeah. But you're going one nil down and then you lose the second half three nil, you lose the game four nil. Like I kinda said afterwards, can you even take any joy or any comfort in the fact that we played well? Yeah. You, you play well but lose four nil, does it does it matter? What's your kind of take on that? It's one of those, isn't it? It's if obviously losing 4 0 at home is unacceptable, that can't happen. But it's whether or not the positives that you can take from the first half kind of outweigh the negatives that you're going to take into account. I think the negatives were that just we got undone by two world class strikers or forwards or a front three that's probably amongst the best in the world in, on their day. Um, 
which many teams probably will get done done by a bit of Harry Kane magic and someone <laughs> running through on goal. So it's not they're not going to be the first, not going to be the last either. But um, yeah, that's why I said the positives for me in the first half probably do outweigh the negatives. And I'd say I'd just go for the same against Leicester. I don't think Leicester have the same quality as Spurs. I don't think they could probably hurt us in the same way Spurs did. I thought uh, the system was really solid. I thought we defended well for the majority of it, but there were just individual errors like people are going to come back to I know it's one of our topics we're going to talk about but Conza the slip against Wolves that's really unfortunate and then that mistimed header in the build up to where they have lucky first goal and then of course it cannons off the post and in instead of coming off the post and going out just our look at the moment I think we are short of mm-hmm. luck Conza especially I think his form probably does deserve like he just needs to get out of the firing line a bit doesn't he I think Chambers probably should come in but you don't just lose your quality overnight where everyone was saying He's the best defender, not only for Villa, but defender for England. Like, <laughs> like the last team selection for Southgate, there was still like a large proportion of the fan base that was saying, oh, why isn't Conza in there? But at the time, he wasn't even in the squad. So I don't think you lose that, to be honest. I think he is a top-quality defender, um, but probably just his form now, probably needs him just to get out of the firing line a bit out of the pressure zones. Uh, question to you and I'll put the same question into the comments and we'll kind of interweave these through how many changes would you make for Leicester could be concert for Chambers you said you'd play the same two, two up front I think a lot of people would say a little bit of rotation there because I think I said after the game the, the Sharks haven't done enough and that, that's worrying in itself it's a different level with Keenan Davis scoring, scoring five I think for Forest and Archer six or seven for Preston Apart from just thinks if Cameron Archer had played the same amount of minutes that Danny Ings has this season, would he have scored more goals than Danny Ings? Apart from it feels like, yes, because he's only scored four or something all season. Like if Cameron Archer played those minutes, would he have managed to squeeze in four goals by this point? And then you think, well, that's 30 million's worth of striker we've got there who's contributed what a youth player could have done. That's a very easy comparison to make after the fact that we know that Archer's gone on well to do gone on to do well at Preston and, and that Ings hasn't done well for us. If you yeah. said that at the start of the season, we're all delighted with Danny Ings, but it's just not worked and that is frustrating, disappointing, whatever word you want to go for. So yeah, changes for Leicester, I know it's miles away really. Uh, I think it's 13 days, which feels like a lifetime. Yeah. What, what would you do? I just go back on the the Ings point. Um, if, say say Ings, we don't we've never signed Ings. This is what I've been thinking about: is if if we went into the summer and signed a player like Ings, like Ings arrived this summer, everyone would be going, "Oh, the problem solved. We've got like a finisher mm. now." Yeah. So I think you've got to tie in like the fact that he's had injury problems. He's been in and out of the squad. Villa have had a, a turbulent year. I think he's got five goals, five assists. It's I mean, it's not what you want from your thirty million pound striker, but. It's just been a difficult time for everyone, hasn't it? So it's just whether or not Archer would bury the same chances. I feel like every chance that I watch Archer get, he buries. <laughs> and I'm shocked. Yeah. When I it have is one. a different level, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? But we, ha- I have oh, buried that header against Chelsea with I can't remember the halves were, but he, I find myself good. saying it's a different level. But once you're in, you know, twelve-yard box or whatever, and you're one-on-one with the goalkeeper, surely it doesn't matter what. What, what league you're playing in yeah it's it's natural ability if you can put the ball in the back of the net so yeah uh, yeah so changes then quickly uh, Chambers in says Lee Wellins uh, three changes says Christopher uh, Archer and Suarez next season says Lee I can't see it personally yeah. uh, three four two one formation says Phil drop Douglas for Chambers and Brendier for Ings I'm going to come so, back to the three at the back thing because I've been looking into it a bit and uh, okay all right so that'll be Chambers Contamings as a three um, McGinn and Ramsey is the two in midfield, is it? I guess 
as the two. That would be, that would be a tough. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Well, yeah, that, people talking about fullback now with Dean potentially out for the, the rest of the season. Obviously, it's a couple of weeks, well, yeah, 10 days or so to the next game. And we'll see if there's any developments there. But if he has broke his collarbone, then yeah, it's going to be out for a few weeks at least, which is probably, well, it's the end of the season, isn't it? Like six yeah. weeks. So, yeah. Um, any other comments about team news? Uh, Matthew says we need a new start in 11, which I'm not, not you know, inclined to disagree with, really. Um, Samson needs a run. Yeah, so there's definitely changes in potential for that. Um, Leicester obviously hit a bit of form just as we're about to play them, which, as it always is. Mm-hmm. Um, three at the back then for you. Talk to me. What have you been thinking about? You know, well, I chuckled just when you said, oh, I've been thinking about Danny Ings. You know that meme when it's like, oh, you, you know, what is he thinking about? He's probably thinking about other women. And yeah. you're just lying there in bed thinking about twice <laughs> Danny Ings not scoring. We well, have the same issues if he's done Danny Ings this season. <laughs> yeah. Um... So do that as a meme for a native, actually. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Um, in terms of yeah, the fruit back, it came into my mind because of this new link to Matthias Ginter or Ginter. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're trying to say. Um, but for predominantly, he plays in a back three for um, Mark and Gladback, and uh, he's on the right side of it, so he's not the centre or the left. He's on the right. I was just thinking, oh, is 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 there an opportunity for Gerard to kind of switch to a back three? But Gerard, has, I just looked at it now, just before the podcast, he's never once trialled it in his managerial career for like Rangers or anything. So I doubt he's going to stray away from that. So it probably is a hint that, I mean, there's two links that have, I think there's three solid links that have merged, and it's Basuma, um, Gomez, and this uh, Ginter. So with two of them being uh, centre backs, probably is the main position that he's looking to upgrade. But it's interesting that they're right centre uh, right centre backs and not left centre backs because everyone thought it'd be Mings to go first. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, interesting to see that he's re- recruiting there or like, looking to if the rumours are true. But um, personally, I still think Konza's are one of our best defenders, and we should just build around. T- I don't think we can change every single position in the team ahead of next season, like like whoever just said eleven, which might be fair to say on current form, <laughs> but. I made a point on Twitter the other day that I think I can rem- remember two seasons where we've had mass recruitment in, and that was the relegation season where we signed like Idrissa Garnagway, Jordan Marvi, those kind of players, and then when we got promoted as well. And almost went down. <laughs> and almost went down. And then we signed 10 players, averaging like 10 million each or something. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly hard to spend, um, get, spend a lot of money and get quantity and quality at the same time so I don't think we should be looking at more than like four additions this summer and in terms of the additions I'd want I'm not sure replacing Ezra Kunza is one of them although high priorities mm. at least so yeah it's interesting I don't know what your thoughts on are on the uh, Kunza links yeah part of all that that conversation Kunza, Watkins Danny Ings um, McGinn even maybe to a lesser extent Douglas Louise I don't know whether you'd replace them by choice now. If you just go, right, we'll have a clean slate. Who do you want? Who do you want to? Who do you want to keep? Who do you want to get rid of? Mm-hmm. A lot of that would depend on whether there's office for them. Because I, I would keep Conza, but if somebody does come in for him and says forty-five mil or whatever, um, uh, there was a stage one, you know, last season when we were saying like 60, 70 mil yeah. for him. I don't think you'd quite get that now, but yeah. um, he's still a good player. But yeah, I don't think you get that much. Maybe you do you do accept that and you buy somebody for half a price and you, you reinvest in the team and that, and that is the model going forward. Um, some of you have been talking about kind of like the, the sacking of Smith and importing Gerard and, and getting Dean and Coutinho in is like the end of the, the young and hungry kind of um, player that we want success now and you'll buy kind of like one of the league's best left backs, kind of, I guess. 
on reputation for, for Dean. It's not really worked out that way. Mm-hmm. And Coutinho is kind of like this star player come in and, and we want success now and that, that is the format going forward. So you sell concert for 45 mil, sign somebody else for 30 and just go right, plug and play, go, new centre-back, kind mm-hmm. of move on. <clears throat> um, so question here on that kind of to an extent from Wayne Dowling. He says, can we afford to carry Coutinho in pretty much every game? Um it's difficult with Coutinho. People that aren't signed up to the, the newsletter for Claret and Blue, first of all, go and do that because there's some, some good stuff on there. John actually wrote a good comment piece the other day about not spending our way to Europe. Like that, isn't, that isn't realistic. You've got to coach what you've got as well. But I wrote a little piece after the Wolves game, I think it was, saying, like, I love Coutinho, but he's, he's either brilliant or he's rubbish. And there, it doesn't really seem to be a middle ground. I think Ash gave him a five out of 10 for the Spurs game. And the comments were like, Coutinho is the best player for us. He was the best player for us in the first half. They went missing yeah. for the second, like the rest of the team. Yeah. So as much as you can play well for forty minutes, if you're an elite player, you've got to play well for for ninety minutes to be to be worthy of of that level of you know um, adoration or, or whatever the word is. So I don't know. Whether you, I'd suggest that we're carrying him, but he's a bit of a luxury for a player, a player yeah. when you're in a struggling side and, and that is a, a difficult thing for Gerald to weigh up because as much as he's got this great relationship with him and on his day he's one of the, the, the best attacking midfielders in, in, the, in the league if he's not on it can we afford to pay 35 million for that and give him 200 grand a week when we've got Emi Buendia on similar figures sat on the bench yeah it's one of those isn't it I think it's pretty similar to like the situation United find themselves in with Bruno Fernandes, like other than the attacking midfielder role, or if you just put him out of position and play him up front like the other day for some reason, you can't really play Coutinho any other with a like left wing and attacking like, uh, attacking mid. So he doesn't really do a job that well defensively, does he? And and you can make the argument that Wendy does, so maybe that suits the team that we are at the moment a bit more, a player that can contribute on both ends of the uh, pitch, but. I'm very much on board with bringing um, Coutinho in and it would state that they are going for a win-now strategy. So they're probably thinking, that's why these links to like Ginter, I think he's won the World Cup, that players like that, experience, Dean. They're going for a win-now, aren't they, if they sign Dean? They're not going for a, pro- a long-term project. So maybe there would be a shift away from players such as Conza and Watkins that you're probably going to wait another two years for to be at the uh, level to compete for like trophies and whatnot. Yeah. Or they might not give a 7 out of 10 every single game. They might have a game where they're a 4 out of 10. I don't know if Gerard wants players that you can't depend on every single uh, game of the season. But he's one of those. I'd be on board with bringing Coutinho in. I mean, you say uh, he dropped off in the second half, as everyone did. But he, the first half, eight eight shot creating actions, was I think his most since 2019. So just a half of football like that could win you the game. And it was yeah, just true, yeah. Like we said at the start, if you three one up half time and Coutinho's got two assists, this is a totally different conversation, isn't it? Like what like I think Gerald said himself that it wasn't a four 0 scoreline. I think yeah, it was Gerald said it. It wasn't really. Spurs had five chances and scored four. And that's what the clinical team does. That's what Harry Kane and and, and Son do. They they chase them for top four. They've had five chances, they've scored four, job done, clean sheet, and and off you go. We've made seven chances in the first half and not scored a single goal. And, and ultimately, that is, you know, we can look into it all we like. That, that's the biggest issue that, that we don't score enough goals from the, the, chances, the chances that we create. We almost um, scored in as well with that free kick that we've got palmed out. Yeah. On the mm. yeah. Um, a couple of questions about Leon Bailey. Um, Phil says, can we send him back to Germany? Um, and somebody else just said, what do we do with him? Uh, Christopher says, what are we going to do with Bailey? 
it's a weird one, isn't it? Amora Garza leaves um, Man Lone to Everton, which is a bizarre move in itself, looking at that now, and says when he leaves, you know, wingers like me don't fit in under, under Gerard's system and they don't, <laughs> we don't play wingers, which is potentially a problem in itself. So what happens to 25, 28 million euro Bailey, who's come in as kind of, again, not a star player, but done well in Germany, we're all excited about him, kind of here to replace Jack Grealish, so to speak, and barely gets a look in due to injury and, and various other things, and now doesn't fit the system. And to yeah. be fair, you can say a lot of the same things about Andy Buendia. You've got 60 million yeah, worth yeah. of talent there, and they're both sat on the bench. Yeah, I think Buendia slightly fits the system a bit more than because you can play yeah, yeah, essentially. I'd probably like to, I've said it before, I wrote a piece before the uh, Spurs game, saying I'd probably want to see him trialled in the midfield a bit. But um, this is why I was confused at those first links that Gerard was at the Leicester game. I thought he'd be watching Sangare. <laughs> But he was apparently he was watching. Um, I'm not even going to try and butcher his name, but it was the winger, the 20 year old winger. And then Gerard also went on to say that he's not going to be looking to recruit young players this this summer. So I was like, I didn't really believe those links to the 20 year old. Um, it is difficult to see how Leon Bailey or the the PSV winger fit into the system unless Gerard changes it and plays like a natural winger system, which I don't think he will. I think mm-hmm. he'd rather stick with the two strikes at top or. The, little, the, the number 10 formation he, he uses. Um, I don't really like using Bailey as a striker either. I didn't think he did much against Wolves. And then I no. saw people messaging me saying that that PSV guy could be as a striker. If Villa want to go and recruit someone that is a striker <laughs> or they want to play striker <laughs> next season, I think we should just go and buy a striker that can score 30 goals and not yeah. a makeshift player that can play on the wing and striker. Um, so yeah, those links confused me. Um, I haven't really seen a lot from Leon Bailey and been amazed by what I've seen to be honest and it was the first few games we came on against Watford whipped that ball in um, obviously yeah, the Everton game that header injury well, sorry I've just got to interrupt I've got to interrupt you there the fact that like how much was Bailey it's like, oh, I keep saying 25 up to 30 million Leon Bailey comes in with a reputation from, from Germany and one of the highlights we're picking out here is a ball he whipped in against Watford at the start yeah. of the season I mean, that says it all, doesn't well, it? They were both, I think they were, but the Everton was September, wasn't it? And then since his injuries, I've just not seen anything, to be honest. I think the West Ham substitute appearance was the brightest he's looked. I think he got an mm. assist there for Ramsey, or I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, but other than that, I haven't seen the pace that everyone talks about. I haven't seen the drifting past players. I haven't seen the, the cutting inside and shooting that much, apart from the odd one each game. I just haven't really been that impressed, to be honest. Um, Gary says it is only Bailey's first season with us. Do we have to give him some kind of benefit of the doubt if he's going to be here next season? Which I assume we don't. I mean, people saying about like, oh, next season we can offload Danny Ings, offload Bailey, Buendia. So we saw these guys were close to 100 million. You know, what is it? Eight months ago or whatever. If we do sell him this season, first of all, that's a, a glowing indictment that the recruitment wasn't right. So. The act should fall on their heads for, for mm-hmm. you know, first of all, saying we signed these guys eight months ago and we want to get rid of them already. Secondly, how much of that money are we going to get back after poor seasons and injury problems? So, if they are all going to be here next season, or, or Bailey and Brendier certainly will be here next season, I would have thought Ings is slightly more questionable given his age. If they don't fit in, then what, what is the point? And you've mm-hmm. just got to hope that you know it's that first season settling in period. You kind of said it's been a turbulent year, two managers, different formations, injuries, etc. They've got to be better next season, haven't they? That's that's the, the plain and simple of it. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we pay the premium for these players, and I doubt anyone would on the the um, form they're in. Maybe Brighton would do like a kind of swap deal. I think I've seen that with uh, Basuma mentioned, but obviously not a straight swap. We still have to pay quite a lot. Actually, maybe not considering his contracts running out. Mm. I'm not sure I'd even want Basuma at the moment, to be honest. Swap deals um, never happen, though, do they? Yeah. When's the last time you saw a swap deal? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I I don't think we should be shipping them out because I still think they've all got individual quality, but it's just whether or not they've got the time under Gerard, who's going to want to win now. And his recruitment would suggest that as well to kind of have a continued bedding phase into the team. I think out of the three, I think Buendia will definitely be there next season. Mm -hmm. The other two, I think in order to fund the big summer that everyone's anticipating, there probably is going to have to be some shock exits and they're probably where you look. Um, It might happen. So, yeah, if I was going to call for one player to, to go in summer, not call for it, but predict one, probably would be Bailey, just because I don't think he fits into the system at all for Gerard. Yeah, I, I would have thought Ings might be the one mm. to go, it's just because of his age. But, you know, what's an acceptable, again, question to the to people watching along live as well, what's an acceptable price for Danny Ings? I think you could get I'd 20 for, for Ings still. You think you could get 20? I don't. I think, I think, I think maybe like a team getting promoted that wants some goals or something. Brighton, like mm. I mentioned, they need a striker. I think 20, 15 to 20 you'd probably get for him. I mean, with yeah, Keenan Bay, there's, there's rumoured to be 10 million, so surely you get yeah, 20 for Danny. Yeah, I'd have said close to 15 to be honest. I don't, just because of the season he's had, you're now looking at players, was he 31, 32, something like that? Around under 30, yeah. Who, who were all kind of going before this season, you know, like proven goal scorer gets 15, 20 goals everywhere. This is he's got five. You know his, his value, his ability, whatever you want to put it, is, is on the way down. I don't see anyone getting anywhere near back money for him. It's not likewise with Bailey to to an extent. His age is certainly in his favour. He could go back to somewhere like Germany and we could recoup some of that money. But clubs abroad don't have that kind of cash to throw around. So mm-hmm. if someone in the Premier League doesn't want him, probably they're not going to end up stuck with him whether we we play him or not. Um, there was a question right at the start. From Sean Finnegan, he says, from our remaining fixtures, how many points do you think we can get? And conveniently, I've got the remaining fixtures uh, in front of us. Bear with me. There we go. So we're currently 12th on 36 points. We've got Leicester City away, Norwich City at home, Burnley away, Liverpool at home, Crystal Palace at home, Burnley at home, and Manchester City away. So seven games left to play, uh, 21 points available, so we can finish on a maximum of 57, which I very much doubt we will, but it would be an improvement on last year, so that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Pat, when you look at those games, how many points do you think we might end up with there? And actually, I'll ask you this as a kind of a two-fold question. Again, same to the comments. What would you be happy with and what do you realistically think we'll get? Well, I'd be happy with 50, uh, finishing on 57. <laughs> I feel like that's what we need to uh, just put the demons away in this team for, for now. And if we won the last seven games in a row, that would be some end yeah. of the season giving Liverpool and Man City, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think, we'll, I think we'll beat Leicester. I think Burnley will cause us problems. I think from the fixtures out, I think I just added up I think about eight points. Beating Leicester, beating Norwich, drawing against Palace and then drawing one of the games against Burnley but I think they'll beat us on when we go to Turf Moor um, and then losing to Man City I'd love, I'd love it for us to decide the, the uh, title on the last game of the season Coutinho and Gerrard giving Liverpool the uh, title taking it away from uh, Grealish and Man City I'd take that all day long um, but yeah 
I think Burnley are probably the only other team that we're going to play that have um, something to play for. I think Norwich are basically down, aren't they, despite the win the other day. Um, I don't like playing Burnley ever, to be honest, from memory. when we've Since yeah, we've been promoted, sense. it's always been frustrating. Goals disallowed. That comeback from Chris Wood last season, when we, it was probably our best side for years. And they beat us 3-2, didn't they? Did, they? did we draw as well at home last season? Uh, it was 2-2. 2-2, yeah, something like that. We just couldn't beat them. It annoys me. Um, this is why I said the other day that I'd rather Everton stay up than Burnley because I just hate playing Burnley. I feel like they always frustrate us. Like I feel like I get excited for the Everton game, one of the oldest fixtures in football, and I feel like we beat them quite frequently as well. Mm. Only from recent history since getting promoted. And uh, but yeah, I'd want Burnley to get relegated, but I think that they're the only, the only other team that have got something to play for, so I think that'll give us problems. Uh, from a footballing point of view, I'd like Burnley to go down just because Sean Dyer's boring, don't, don't really like it, not my cup of tea. But from like a weird, weird sense, I got a thought of everything going down from a curiosity point of view, like similar to Villa, similar to Villa's relegation, that they just kept falling, kept falling. Um, not to the extent of 17 points in the season but you know, they're one of these clubs that have never been relegated like Villa were up until 2016 so for them to lose that record as well gives me mm-hmm. some kind of weird satisfaction yeah. <laughs> it probably says more about me than anything um, Ryan says 6 points if we're lucky and we need 6 to be safe and we'll come back to that in a second uh, Sophie says 12 Christopher 9 tops uh, Des I think 10 points uh, David says three points off Burnley, uh, three three points off Burnley, three off Norwich, draw Palace, lose the rest, so seven. Uh, anybody else? Sean, it would be great if we won them all, <laughs> but I think we'll get ten points. Got wrong. Three against Leicester, four from the two Burnley games, and a win versus Norwich, which yeah, I think that's probably most most likely. Um, it was a nil-nil at Villa Park, with 24 chances, not 2-2. Two, two. I don't know where I got that from. Uh, Steve says should be 13 yeah, points. 24 right, chances, no goal. What is that about? Uh, I know, yeah. Yeah, I'm out there. Um, let's just flash it up again quickly so I'll give my thoughts. Leicester, I think, will be a draw because it's away. Norwich at home is a massive banana skin with it being Dean Smith. And mm-hmm. I think they are down, but you know, they, I don't know who their next game is that they play this weekend, but let's say they win again before we play them. You know, that might be a little bit riding on that, but I still think we'll beat them. So that's four points. Burnley away, like you, I want to say defeat. Liverpool, yeah. Plainly going to lose out. <laughs> uh, that's still four points. Crystal Palace at home, I fancy us to be anyone at home just because you're at home. It's going to be one of the last home games of the season. So that's seven. Again, Burnley at home rearranged for Thursday night, I think. That will be the last home game of the season. So I, I want to be entertained and given a performance there, mm-hmm. especially can against a, a Burnley side at the bottom of the league. So that's 10 points, I think, for me as well. And then lose on the last day, I think, is probably most likely. So 10 points is probably what I expect. I'd still be, I'd be quite happy with ten points. Um, finished on forty six when we had fifty five last year is a backward step, but I mean you could potentially yeah. finish higher than eleventh on forty six points. So you know, in some ways, it would, be a, would be a better season. So yeah, um, nine points says Matt. Norwich are fighting for their lives. Says Jay. No easy games. Agreed. Uh, Steve says nineteen points. We win the league. Flew a poor by meeting beating Man City on the last day. That is the ideal situation. Yeah, I mean, the ideal situation is winning all seven. I don't really care who wins the league. Um, who, who do you think will win the league, by the way? Let's just feel away from I, mean, I do that. think Liverpool will win the league. I don't know why. I just feel like Man City are more likely to slip up currently. I know they were, uh, I think they got quite lucky, unlucky uh, with that offside of Sterling. But, mm. And I just like the way uh, Liverpool play a bit more as well. And of course, there's the elephant in the room that I don't want to give Jack Grealish a guard of honour on the last game of the season. <laughs> 
Yeah, he'll be on the bench anyway, so don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, who would you get rid of in the summer, says Gary. And there was a follow-up question. Somebody said, oh, who, who do you think is the dead wood? Oh, Sean, five or six pieces of dead wood need to go. So kind of a two-part question. Who do you think will go and who, who do you class as the dead wood? Um, Davis says 15 million for Ings, 10 million for Davis, 5 million for Wesley. I forgot about Wesley. <laughs> absolutely forgot about Wesley. Forgot about Wesley. Uh, yeah, that'd be 30 million in. And then you've got people like El Ghazi, Sanson Trezeguet. potentially, Trezeguet. Um, yeah, Troy Ore. I think Troy Well, Then you've got one of the big hitters like Bailey, somebody like that. And then you've also got the opportunity of a Matt Target, uh, another Gilbert. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the potential of um, an unexpected sale, let's say, somebody like Esri Conser or Douglas Louise, somebody like that, Ollie Watkins. Um, so how many do you think, do you think we'll have a big season, a, a big summer of turnaround? Do you think there will be a lot of go? Because part, part of the conversation is who's going to buy them? Yeah. I think there will be um, teams that want to take them on board. Obviously, Forrest are really keen on Davis. I think um, Trezeguet is doing all right in Turkey. There'll be teams for um, Traore, maybe back in France or something. Um, I think I think I read that Newcastle might be after Aaron Hickey as well, which is probably mm. be one of the signings for me because I don't think we can have Ashley Young as our backup. Maybe as a backup to the backup and like get your coaching badges there because you're 37 next season. But playing again, uh, the amount of games he's played this season is probably too much for a 36 year old. Yeah, you know, he's in the form of his life or fitness of his life, but still, if you want to push on, you need a reliable backup that can come on and produce the same as your um, starting fullback, to be honest. Um, I th- who are the other ones? I think I, there was even rumours that Villa might sell Archer, which I can't see happening, but it would be a big money offer. Um, big money offer. It would be a big money offer that Villa would accept, but that, no one's going to pay 20, yeah, 25 yeah, million for Archer. Yeah, and yeah, you'd be looking at least. Yeah, you'd be looking at least wanting to figure out that for a player of his age and what he's done so far. No yeah. chance Archer leaves. Absolutely no chance. He might get another loan, but they won't sell him. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, yeah, Gilbert's doing really well in France, isn't he? I don't know how many years are left on his contract, but um, I think you could get a, a decent fee for them just because he's obviously not got a future. I'd like to see Kane Kessler get a go next season as the backup or yeah, yeah. If, uh, MK Duns get promoted, maybe gets another uh, loan in the championship or something. Um, I think you can recoup a lot of, uh, like maybe like 40 to 50 million of the players you just mentioned. And I think we do need that to finance the summer. And then if they want a really big summer, you're probably going to have to see someone like Konza or Bailey go. But personally, I wouldn't want Watkins or Konza to go. I'd be okay with a Bailey sale just because, as we mentioned, I just can't see a situation unless he switches his uh, systems where he fits in. Um, but I do think it'll be, be busy. Yeah. First uh, summer for Gerard, putting his stamp on the squad. Big funds available, a pre-season. No international football interfering with it either until November time. So... Yeah, I think it will be a busy summer, but maybe outgoings more than incomings. Yeah. Um, there's a comment here, and I, I want to kind of try and assess as many opinions as we can from Ahad Ali, who says, Gerard hasn't improved a single player. Do you agree with that or do you disagree? I disagree with that. I think Ramsey's come on leaps and bounds. I know he was given opportunity under Smith, but I don't think he was the quality that we were seeing under... Uh, I think in that first game at Brighton, I remember seeing it. I think he just gave... Ramsey a bit more responsibility, lent on him a bit more than maybe Smith would have done. And he's just, just uh, progressed massively, hasn't he? 
terms of other than that, I think Cash as well. Cash has developed mm-hmm. going forward. I think they identified his weaknesses that he can't really whip a ball in first time. So they probably, I think there's been a direct change of him just cutting it back instead. And that's been a bit more threatening for me. Um, I don't think Mings has been that bad. I think he's had one or two games. Other than that, I thought Mings has been quite solid throughout Gerard's uh, time. I, mean, I think, remember the first few games. It was unreal, wasn't it? I think everyone was back supporting him. But then he's had a few slip-ups since then. Other than that, I can't really think of anyone that's progressed too much. Nakamba. Nakamba in possession, yeah. Nakamba looked a bit more comfortable. Um, those first few games, yeah, it'll be interesting to see him come back, see if he's, he's at the same confidence levels, which I can't imagine he will be until next season, to be honest. He's out of football for, like, what, six months? Um, five months, rather. Um, but it would be interesting to see him back in the team because that's obviously one of the... That would be the main position for me to do with strength in the summer. That CDM position, I'd happily play sixty million for Calvin Phillips. I'd happily would play. You? I would, yeah, I would for England's Player of the Year, twenty twenty one. I would. He is the exact profile I think we need in the uh, midfield. Solve not all the issues in the squad, but a large proportion of them. I think that's a little bit steep, to be honest. But if you are kind of paying for it, like the exits we've just said, as well. I don't can't see Leeds. Yeah. I think Leeds aren't many points off us, are they? So you know, maybe he won't want to take the step. To Villa is not necessarily a step up at the moment, but um, yeah, it'd be up to him. And I think United also want him, so obviously it's not a question if United come in for him. Yeah, there's no, we're really on first place, so he's improved, and we've got three or maybe four, which isn't exactly um, you know, a great, great thing, really. There's a lot of noise going out outside of the bar. Can you hear all that? Yeah, drilling and cutting or something. I don't know what's going on, uh, anyway. Um, there's a lot of players that you'd probably argue have regressed under Gerard, which, but as I say that, I don't even fully believe it myself because they've just not been good all season. Like someone like Watkins hasn't been good all season. I don't. That's not Gerard's fault. I don't think. Conte as well, likewise. Um, Ginn hasn't had a great season. Douglas Bees hasn't had a great season. Um, but I don't know whether that's Gerard's fault. Yeah. Part of me just, just, just curious. Quiet, as, part of me is curious as to whether, like, if you know you're leaving. Or you know you're going to be replaced. You must have some kind of drop off in performance. Yeah. Even if you, I'm not saying that Ollie Watkins is going. Well, I'm going to Arsenal next season, so I'm just going to jack it in and not bother. But there must be some kind of subconscious thing thinking, oh, "Am I going to bust a gut for, for this ball in the 89th minute?" Like that target, yeah, like, wasn't it? I think when the links, I think it was the first link that appeared, wasn't it? Luca Dean or a left back or a kind of Borna Sosa was the first one I remember. But then he had a good first few games. I think Brighton and Crystal Palace, and he fell off a bit, didn't he? And I think mm. it was that mentality aspect of players may maybe hear the leaks starting to come through. Like they'll see the centre back links coming through now, and the CDM links, and it probably will have a role in the, like Douglas Louise's contract negotiations or the form of Conza confidence issues, and all that adds up, doesn't it? Like players see reports just like we see reports and stuff. So yeah, they'll help you read some of the noise. Sophie says, why pay that kind of money for a player when you've got a perfectly good player in Nakamba unless you're going to buy a backup CDM? I think in an ideal world, Nakamba is your backup, is he not? Yeah. That in like in terms of if you want to see the team progress, I know Nakamba had a few good games, but I think he has his limitations <laughs> as good yeah. as he can be. I think he's 28 as well. So, he's a good player. I mean, he's definitely one of the most yeah. improved under Gerard. and if he is fit for the next seven games I think that will help us pick up you yeah. know, maybe a few more points than we expect but he's Nakamba a top eight Premier League player top six Premier League player 
I mean, we don't know to, to a certain extent because, you know, he's only had that small sample size of good games mm-hmm. before that, though. Before Gerard, I think most people would have said, oh, the camera's not really, doesn't really do, do it for me. And he's not, if you can play to somebody like Philippe's. Yeah. I don't think he's a player that could play the way Gerard wants to in the future. So, like, the games that he played mm-hmm. well in from memory, I think we had about 30% possession. We just scored and then locked it down defensively, didn't we? And he was just there to break it up, dish it to one of uh, Ramsey or McGinn. But I think in the long-term image for the team, Gerard wants us, you know, dominating the ball, someone progressing us from the back, uh, doing the same role defensively, but also having a lot more to his game, maybe a bit more going forward. I think that's what Sangari does. Phillips showed that once, he, once he's given a freer role for England, he went forward a bit more and played well. He's yeah. yeah. I think he wants that from his centre-backs as well. I think everyone's always highlights Educons as like distribution and progressive play. And then they get linked to Ginter, who's, who's probably, I'd say that's like a main strength of his, is like his ability to be calm and on the ball, passes under pressure, getting the ball forward and roaming a bit. So yeah, he obviously wants to play in a different way long-term if he's getting linked to these players. I just want to jump back to Ryan's comment from earlier, who said six points if we're lucky and we need six to be safe. Do you, do, you, do you believe we're in danger of relegation still? No. I'm not thinking of relegation at all, no. I think that's pretty done and dusted for me. Yeah. I think, I think Burnley will be lucky to escape if they do escape. I think Leeds, Newcastle, I don't think Newcastle are thinking of it and they're below us, aren't they? Well, that, that, that's kind of my kind of benchmark for it. I've, the, the relegation kind of question has been doing the rounds for weeks and I've said, we're not going down, we're not going up and I've been quite adamant out of that because I just thought, yeah. oh, hook about crook, you know, we need like 10 points or whatever to be safe. We'll get that at some point. Even if you win one, lose five, win one, lose five, you'll get the points that you need. We're on 36 now, only on 24. So there's already a 12-point gap. They've got to win four games just to catch us. I know they've got a game in hand and we play it. We do play them twice. So if they beat us twice, that gap does come down quite a bit. Even so, and saying we need another six points to be to be absolutely safe, that's what that puts us to forty-two. It'd like, be a catastrophic end of the season, <laughs> like for yeah. us to get relegated. Like, and, historic. And you'll see, like Newcastle, like two maybe two games ago, kind of like not celebrating that they're like definitely up, but kind of have that feeling of like, oh, look at Eddie Howe, look what he's done, what a great job. They're definitely going to be safe now, and they're on thirty-four. So if they're feeling like that on 34, still, again, still seven games to go. Like surely we're going to get another four or five points for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, relegation. I know everyone's opinion, it, you know, you, you're allowed to, in, you know, you're entitled to think what you want. And it's easy for me to sit here and kind of go, oh, look at you, you're wrong. But yeah. you know, other people can, can jump in as well if they, if they disagree. I'm you know, happy to be But maybe not too much more than that for the rest I of the think season. It, Burning on 24, you'll probably look at the end of the season and go, oh, you'd have been safe on like 29 this year. Yeah. Are Burnley going to get another five points? Probably not. Um, I'm well they played against Norwich, I know that. If, if I was Everton on 28 points, I'd be worried then. If I was Leeds yeah. on 33, potentially I'd be worried as well. Even Leeds, I think, are, are going to be yeah, fine as well. After that win the other day. I think, I think Leeds could start on 33. Like They could lose every game and still be fine, I think. The standard yeah. of that bottom three is, is so bad. Um. Norwich City 21, by the way. They're only seven from safety now. But yeah, I still don't think they're going to do it. That'll be a tall ass. We'll Dino to three points. Dino can have three points. Yeah, not expensive. Oh, yeah. Unpopular opinion. I wanted to get yeah. your take on this. Me and Matt did it in the post Spurs chat. And there was a kind of thread going around on Twitter on Saturday morning of um, opinions that you'd be cancelled for. So if anyone doesn't know, to be cancelled to me is to like, you know, you say something offensive and you're 
kind of off the air, so to speak. Um, so what Villa opinion would you be cancelled for? Um, have you got anything that springs to mind? I can give you my example. We've got some thinking time. two. And okay, one go one. The first one, probably a few weeks ago, maybe after on a good run of form, whenever everyone was saying Coutinho was the best player they've ever seen in a Villa shirt. I just don't, even at like the height of his Villa performances and when everyone was raving about him. And I love Coutinho like when he's on form. It's magical to watch. I just don't think he's the best player I've ever seen in a Villa shirt. And it does hurt me to say that because the best player in a Villa shirt I've seen is probably Jack Grealish last season in the first half of the season. You know, that Liverpool game, that run against Burnley. I know we lost 3-2, but just stuff like that sticks in your mind. I just, and the Crystal Palace game as well at home on Boxing Day. What was it? I just don't think... He's, uh, I've seen a better player than Jack Grealish in that form for Villa, to be honest, which does burn me inside to say. <laughs> and then I actually agree with that, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that is it. I mean, maybe it's just you and me, but I, I think that's fair. Um, the other one is that it's probably, I've only just started thinking about it, but Emmy Martinez this season, I think he's down there. For, I think there's a, there's a statistic called post shot expected goals, and it basically measures how many goals a keeper prevents that should have gone in. And I think Emmy Martinez is on like minus seven, and like Jose Sars on like plus twelve or something. And so it, it, I think last season he was making some of these saves that this season you go oh, on another day. Emmy Martinez saves that, but I feel mm. like I keep saying on oh, on another day Emmy Martinez saves that, and I'm not seeing those games as as frequently this season where Emmy Martinez is making those saves, and he is getting mm. hung out to dry by a poor defence ahead of him. And that probably is is adding to it, but. I don't think he should come into blame. I just think I think maybe we should highlight that as an issue, especially the I didn't know how the uh, Kulisevsky goal went in when he was on. He was going away from goal on his weak foot. If he is, mm. I think it's his weak foot on a tight angle. It's also Megs. Uh, it's gone through Tyrone Megs' legs, hasn't it? It is unfortunate, but I was just looking at it thinking maybe he should have been doing better there. Maybe well, he should let that go in. I don't think you're alone, and it is kind of like. And blasphemy, isn't it, to come out and question Emi Martinez, who's been very yeah. good. Uh, I would not like to lose him. He's on a long-term contract. He's on his day. He's one of the top five goalkeepers, maybe, in, in the league. Top mm-hmm. six, top four. Um, trying to think who would be up there. Yeah, top top five, probably. Yeah. But I was sat there on Saturday and with my dad, and I think it was for the, the Kuliskevsky one. Yeah. I definitely said that wrong. And you kind of think, hmm, I save that, you know? Yeah. You've only seen it live in the stadium and you, know, you don't watch it back and stuff. You don't see any replays. Like a very tight angle. <laughs> there's, there's a few occasions this season where I've thought, yeah. he'd have saved that last season. Or like a, like a you know, shot from like on the edge of the air outside of the box. You think, yeah. I feel like he's got time to deal with that and he's, he hasn't. Like, I feel like the first game happened, like against Watford, I was yeah, like, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll save that in the time. And then it's kind of been a theme throughout the season where I've gone, hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Again, uh, you might be cancelled for this. You might never be on the podcast yeah, again. Yeah, but agree, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, so I, I yeah. think that's all right. <laughs> so did, did you catch the podcast after Spurs? Did you watch it? Uh, no, I think I was drowning my sorrows in Peroni and the Aston Tavern. <laughs> right, I'll share mine with you then. People who watch the podcast regularly will already have, well, they might have listened to this if they got all the way through the last episode. I had two as well. First one is a, a long-time opinion I've had that the round badge is overrated. I don't think it's as good as people think mm-hmm. it is. I think it's because it's associated with winning the league and winning the European Cup, and I understand that's why it's important from a design point of view. <sighs> meh, meh. Mm-hmm. I don't think the colours are quite right. I think in the modern day where it's printed onto everything, it's on every piece of paper at Villa Park, and mm-hmm. I just don't think it works the same. 
social media and stuff like that. I don't think it'd work in the modern day, no. I think if you bought it back, people would look at Man City, Chelsea, Brentford, all these like, recently changed circle badges and just think, oh, Villa have just done something like that. Yeah. I don't write it round badge, so cancel me if you like. <laughs> My second one was a match-related one. Is a, if you were only going to end up selling one centre-back, like let's say if you were told you've got to sell one of these two, I think they would choose to sell Conta over Mings. I think mm. there's not much between them because not, I'm not saying Mings has had a brilliant season because he hasn't, but I think Mings has been the better performer out of the two. And that might be a bit of recency bias for Conta, but I think he's your captain. He's the England international. We can probably get more money for Conta. So Conta might be the better footballer and, and harder to replace but if we can only sell one. We'll sell him over Mings. That's like how I would think of it. I think that's probably a more unpopular opinion because Mings is easy to play on. Disagree with that one. I think there's a fair point because obviously if Mings had had two red cards this season, slipped against Wolves and had a header against um, Tottenham, he probably would be getting dragged through the mud, wouldn't he? But... Mm. um, into, I think if you were going to sell one, I think you could still get quite a high value for Mings, you know, England international. Yeah. Captain, I think there's a premium he gets that. But I still, I'm, I'd still, I'd be really disappointed if we sold Cons this season and I just wouldn't want to see him go, to be honest. I think he'd go and thrive somewhere else and be one of those things. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'd be disappointed, but I also wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, I mean, if he's oh, gonna... not, not based enough on anything, I don't know anything. It's just a, an inkling yeah. that he might be seen as the more valuable asset to gain money for a, a summer rebuild. Whereas you, got, you might get what fifteen million for Mings, maybe. Yeah. You can get forty maybe for Conta. Twenty, yeah, maybe. Okay, fair enough. Um, I wanted to go over two more things quickly, and this is dragging on longer than I thought, but it's thanks to a load of comments that we've had. The final thing I wanted to mention um, is the Peter With podcast, and this isn't an old one that I want to plug. This is a new one that will be out this Thursday uh, on this very Facebook page, so uh, like this page, follow it, that kind of thing, to, to see that post first. I think it'll be coming around Thursday lunchtime. And for those that are watching or listening to this on the Climate Blue podcast, you can uh, sign up to our email newsletter and get it tomorrow, so Wednesday the 13th of April, and then it'll be on kind of general release, let's call it, on YouTube itself on Thursday afternoon as well. So if you're impatient, you can get it on Wednesday. If you're happy to wait around, you can get it Thursday. Um, and I want to run a quick trailer for it, so uh, here's what you can get yourself into if you uh, sign up to the newsletter. I'm just missing one piece of the jigsaw, he said, and that's you. He said, if I get a sense of forward of your calibre, he said... We'll win the league. You're, you're a nice guy and you're, you're pleasant and you're this and you're that. And he said, but I look at you in the football field. He said, it's just a different animal, a different beast. And I said, yeah, it is. I said, because it's called crossing the white line. So he said, what do you mean? I said, when I cross that white line to get on that football field, don't stand in my way. What have you got to tell me about centre-halves? And I said, it's very simple. Whatever the centre-half is, I ain't. That's how you score goals. And of course, that's when Ron made the famous, to Tony Gubbin made the famous statement, do you want to bet against us? How did you respond to that to that statement from him? I know I responded to it. I responded to saying, that's what I would have said. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't bet against us because we'll come bouncing straight back and we'll bite you. Once he's got free, I knew, and I'm looking at Argentina and an Argentina as I've gone forward, he's gone to the near post. I know where the goalkeeper's got to cover, he's got to cover to, to the near post. So once the ball is past Argent Tyler and it's past the centre-half, I'm now in the middle of the goal. A thousand things are going through my head, but 
the most important thing that's gone through my head, all the practice you've done of these opportunities, make good contact with the ball. And this summer, I mean, Peter with saying make good contact with the ball, and he shinned it, you know, yeah, shinned it into, the, into the back of the net. It did sound like it actually. If you watch it, it just take a divot, it doesn't come off for Shin. You know, yeah. don't get that kind of contact with Shin. Uh, he also says that when he does like after dinner speak, uh, speeches and stuff, he says it. You know, it's a thirty-yard scream. Is how he tells people yeah. it, it went in now because you know, it doesn't matter now. Uh, so if you want to go and watch that, um, it's available tomorrow on the, the newsletter, which will go straight into your email inbox. If you sign up the link, I'll put it in the comments in a second. Um, and it'll be in the YouTube description as well. Patrick, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Daniel, thank you very much. You for call me Daniel quite a lot on text and stuff, so I thought I'd drop that in for you instead. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks everyone for watching, and we'll catch you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.